have that on those big jobs. Mm-hmm. All right. What is up, everyone? That's terrible. So, <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking over there? Um, Smirnoff Pina Colada Sparkling Seltzer. Ooh, yeah, it doesn't sound good. A regular Pina Colada, I, I'm not a fan of. So today we are talking about the evolution of tuning, and we've got uh, we've got Tim, Matt, Al, myself, the three main tuners here, and then I fiddle around with some things here and there. Uh, he does a decent amount. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so uh, especially in the span of ZZP, I mean, we've been open for 20, 21 years. Uh, tuning's come a long way. Yeah, like back in the day, we did some gangster tuning. <laughs> Can you call like, it tuning? Man. I don't know if that was tuning. Like, I, I can't wait for Matt's story with uh, Ken's car. Like, that's like the the best one. So we have to save that one till later. All right. But, um. But yeah, man, there's there's some, yeah. Oh. And then what's funny is they're having to go back to that with like the C eight. That's what I was just saying. Like this is gonna be, I th- as soon as Eric mentioned this, is like this is a better topic than you even realize. Because like tuning D, de- it's like the technology grew with the cars, and then the cars got too high, and then the technology had to just reach down here and grab a bunch of stuff and <laughs> and, and modernize it to get it to work. Yeah. So we've got you know past kind of present and then uh future i guess we'll go over um but obviously currently we use hp tuners for 99.9 percent of what we do here uh you know al's got a fuel tech uh standalones are something that will seemingly become more popular in the future yeah i think once the standalone companies really get on board with di and with can integration that i think that uh uh, section of the market is going to grow more. Yeah. But HP tuners, they kind of spoil us, especially with GM operating systems. You know, math tuning is pretty easy. Uh, VE tunings w- with what they give us is pretty easy. Uh, but it wasn't always that way. I mean, HP tuners came out in what? 98, 99, 2000, somewhere around there? Like a little later. Okay. I mean, even when I got into the scene in like the mid early two thousands, like I I had friends who were running SRT fours with thirty percent bigger injectors to run E eighty five, and then you know cranking up the wastegate to get some more boost out of it, and never touching the ECU, even though it was available at that time. Yeah, my my original Saturns, the dudes who guys who turbocharged them, they were running SAFCs and bigger injectors, and it was like, hey, you, there's no part throttle response it's either. <laughs> Nothing or, or what? <laughs> See, back like, I mean, this is pretty hack. This is this is real bad. But uh, back in my Eclipse days, mm-hmm. they used they had a math sensor, and let's just say for the description, um, you have like a two inch hole that is in the math. What I would do is I would grind holes <laughs> around the two inch because the air filter had a large. OD on it. Yeah. Right. So I would drill holes through it so it would so air would make it by the mass airflow sensor. Ah. That okay. worked pretty well. You could trick and then, it to make it think it was lean, yeah. And then in one of them, I actually took a p I I cut a big like rectangle out of it and I put a hinged flapper with <laughs> springs. So the car would idle normal, but when you floored it, it, it would, would open up the trap door open. Okay, oh, that's, wow. pretty cool. uh-huh. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's some some hack stuff just that to be was... able to run larger injectors because back then, like you know, Canatelli just cracked a joke about a uh, you know soldering chips. Like that was, was before EEPROM chips. Yeah, like the ECM was untunable. Mm-hmm. You could not tune it. My later DSMs, you could like desolder the section of the uh, circuit board and put in an EEPROM receiver and then like have a you know different EEPROMs for it. But like that was like a couple years into my modifying eclipses. So I'm I'm not even familiar. What is EEPROM? It's basically just a chip with all okay. the legs on it. Okay. You know, you yep. just got all the legs and you just pull it out and it's programmable. Yep. Basically, I don't even know what the technical term for EEPROM is. It's just a, a it's chip. A, yeah, you you couldn't do it yourself though. No. No. You just buy one that's yeah slightly different. <laughs> yeah. And then put it in but and I, try I it out. Remember all those those hack mods. Drilled math, crushed, yep. crushed the, the bypass. Yep, <laughs> yep. Just, just yep. odd things like that, just to try to trick it. 
Yep, my my Grand Prix. My turbo Grand Prix, my um, my base fuel pressure was a little lower than average, mm-hmm. so I took a hole punch <laughs> and I put it in the center of my fuel pressure regulator and I just tapped it, and then I watched. I kept looking at my fuel pressure gauge in the car and I bumped uh, it like okay. four psi. I, I was actually reading an old <laughs> HP Tuners uh, forum thread the other day where some guy was talking about increasing this fuel pressure on whatever he was dealing with, and he did the same thing. He pulled his regulator out and he put it in his uh vice and he would just smush it just a hair then he'd put it back in the car and he'd he'd see what the fuel pressure was and he'd be like okay well it was about 10 percent. it's at 40 49 or whatever and then he'd squish it a little more yep. and <laughs> pull yep. it back out hammer in a in a flat punch whatever you call those little punches that have the flat tip on it yeah and then um you know taking your blow valve out and putting it in a vice and scrunching it down to tighten blow off valve. I springs. remember Trevor saying he had knew some guys that read about that and they're like, "Oh, I can do that," and they just smashed it. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> and do they're that like, too. "Oh, what? Why is this not working? <laughs> it right? doesn't open anymore." <laughs> yep. So how how long were you guys Wheeze EZP into Grand Prix before HB Tuners was readily available? Several years. Maybe three. Yeah, okay. two or three. Okay. Yep. Uh, because we're using a DHP, digital horsepower. Okay. Yep. Which was like f- three dudes at the time. Um, and then um, like Matt, Zoom, or I, or all three of us would like drive to Detroit and have like Dave tune our cars. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, hang out with Dave for the rest of the day kind of thing. And then drive all the way back to Michigan. Man. Or like, well, from, you know, yeah, back the, to Grand Rapids, yeah. I should say. You yep. know, f- three hours away. But uh, yeah, it was it was tough. So where did I'm, Power Tuner come in? Power Tuner came in, man, almost immediately. Uh, we had a couple of years of uh, how did we remember putting in forty twos in a bigger math tube? Yep, we did that. Yep, um, spoofing the uh, throttle position sensor to get mm. it to shift sooner or later. Yep, there was some some nonsense going on, but no, we couldn't get in them. So there's nothing you could do. Oh, yeah. That throws a whole another wrench into it, having the autos. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they wouldn't shift. <laughs> you start <laughs> no. making power, there's on the rev limiter. So. Yeah. Well, I have, I've heard stories from you about how you used to have to hit a button while you were going down That's the drag the good strip. That's story. <laughs> that one's got to save till later. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know how Matt raced this car. Like, when he tells the story, just think about doing what he says he was doing. And, like, I couldn't do it. Like, I just... Yeah. Yeah. Like, do this, do that, all the, these different times. But, yeah, so let's say you put larger injectors in, in, in the car. Mm-hmm. You got to pull that fuel out, right? Obviously. It's 30% larger injectors. So you got to pull 30% out. So you put a, you know, math tube, easy math, you know, pi r squared, and you get your 30% larger math tube, and yep. you kind of tweak it from there. Well, the problem is with that is that the computer sees less airflow. Uh-huh. So the computer thinks there's less horsepower. <laughs> So that means less foot pounds. So that means less line pressure. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so they so. shift all squ- soft and squishy. And yeah. Yep. But we immediately had uh, shift kits. So yeah, back that's then true. You, could, you could do that. You could yeah. physically trick the trans into. Do they do they make better. like a uh, like a boost reference line pressure regulator? Uh, yeah, 97, 97. Grand Prix uh, GTs were vacuum actuated. The so I had that initially. We didn't know that until we put boost on it, and all of a sudden it started shifting super hard. <laughs> we learned that you could just pull that vacuum hose off anyway, and it would shift harder. Huh. Yep. It's kind of odd. Yeah. That's just one year, though. One year only, yep. Um, well, one year in the Grand Prix, um, that tranny went back into, like, 95, 96 yep. in the Bonnevilles and, um, I don't know, kinda maybe weird that they would rewind Park down Avenues the road. or whatever. Yeah. Well, that was the... I like that transmission better. That one had the better chain. Yes. Oh, that really? had the seven H chain OEM. Oh. We okay. put the seven H chain in the later models that have the dual bike chains. Yeah. Right. Right. Didn't wasn't there another one that came with a seven eighths later or no? Not that I know of. No. Okay. Uh, well, um, the Bonneville had that four. Forty eighty. Yeah, the 4080, I think it might have had a better chain in it, but like none of the parts crossed over. Mm. None of them. 
Does the 4T80 stuff cross over with the 4L80? Like no. any of the components? I mean, with it being I transverse, it. I doubt it. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know how autos work. I don't <laughs> mess with that crap. <laughs> I know. We're, they we're, both say four. We're rebuilding uh, Erica's transmission in her HHR because it's slipping now. And uh, Chris is like, oh, did you get this and this and this? And I was like, Chris, I don't know. I don't know. know what those I have mean. no idea. There were there was some frictions and there's some gaskets. And I, I, I just ordered some stuff. <laughs> Tell me what I need, and I'll go get it. But you have a big enough garage that you could probably like lay out a disassembly line. Yeah, probably just kind of take her apart in pieces, and then match up your new parts with the old ones, and run if, her back if together. I, if I had a couple months, I would have done that. But she likes, she hates driving the base model. So <laughs> she well. she came home the other day, and she's like, "This thing is slow." <laughs> She's been spoiled. Now. I'm like, yeah, it's got 100 less horsepower yeah. and 150 less foot-pounds. LNFs feel like more than twice the engine that they are. They do. Like, yeah. it feels like, it doesn't even feel like a turbo car. It feels like a freaking four-liter, like, NA mm-hmm. engine when you're oh, driving yeah. the darn thing around. And it, even the Autotrans, they they shift well. They It carries power nice. Yeah, it, like, I like the way that trans drives. It's just pretty weak. Yeah. Uh, to answer JPL's question, uh, Matt is running the 4T65. It's just an old build. He's had that training in that car forever. He Probably. just has uh, the GM racing uh, diff and gears and chain in it, whatever mm. special. No? Stock diff. Oh, you swapped You swapped it? I always ran stock diff. Oh, really? Well, that's even better. So, <laughs> um, You know, it, we've just kind of found... The 4T65, they pretty much spin both tires. Like, it's pretty rare that they don't. If they don't, then there's something wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, if you, if that's you causing look, it not to spin both tires. If you look back at the old videos, they're always pulling both of them out of the burnout box and, and yeah. down the line. So, and, you know, they definitely get a bad rap, but if they're in good health, it seems to be that they, they hold up pretty well. Um, and Matt, your car doesn't even have a one inch chain, right? Well, not anymore. Yeah. Well, it did. It did. <laughs> it did at one point. That was the last part that broke. Okay. And and was it the same thing with the case flexing and hitting, or who I knows? Don't, I don't know. Chicken ne- before I've the never, egg. I've never seen one break. Yeah. Until then. Dang. Well, Dang you on. know, when you're running mid eights, it's <laughs> well, it's a lot farther than they ever thought it would go, for sure. But uh, so you know, starting in early 2000s, and you had DHP and Super Tuner and uh, obviously, you know, driving across state or mailing your PCM is, is quite an inconvenience, you know, especially now compared to when we get our own cars that we're tuning or customer cars that we're tuning. I mean, these files have 10, 20 revisions, and a lot of it is nitpicky stuff. You know, you get your trims as close as you can, and you're like, ah, I could do a little bit more here, but... Uh, that wasn't an option. No, it wasn't an option. You know, you throw on what a turbo kit or your Novi kit, or and then you go over there and say, "Hey, let's make it work," and and you did. And yeah. this was before wide bands were affordable too. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that I but didn't like, even think when about. When did to talk that about. even come in? Man, um, wide bands were super expensive when we first got into. It. I don't. Matt could probably answer it better. Like, when did you have a wide band in a car? And I don't know. I, I ran the drag car for several years, narrow band tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Till it was in the eights. Yeah, I believe it. So yeah, probably late. I mean, it's doable. Late two thousand. Look at what people did with carburetors for years, yeah. just checking plugs. So that's it. Makes it so scary when you have to go backwards or feel like you're going backwards. But then you just have to stop and remember that decades of guys have gone way faster than what I'm doing. Just we, I'm guessing we're darn near ten years in before we had a wideband in ZZP. Wow! And I think our first one was an uh, was an Innovate um, tailpipe one. Mm-hmm. You had to run the wires through the trunk and into the front of the car, and you had this big box that you like <laughs> had to hold with your hand because it had a small screen to read on it. Yep. And, and now, now it's all contained in the little yeah. AM gauge it's a or whatever. Shoe box with a little digital clock screen on it. <laughs> yeah, tiny little screen. <laughs> and then GM came out with the LNF in 2008, and somehow had a wideband, and they thought, ah, we don't need this anymore. That, let's let's I, not put it back into cars gosh, until 15. I don't understand that at all. And, and wideband tuning, 
especially when it's integrated into the PCM like an LNF, makes yeah. things just so much easier. Or why the heck did they go back and forth on some of the newer cars? It's only... You in, had it. It's only in the LNF Cobalt and the 16 and newer LTG. And not the ATSV, which that not, that makes zero sense to me. Nope. Why would you put a wideband in the base model car, but not the performance one? It's crazy. But I mean, at, those at, engines do suck more. They do suck more, but it didn't really save them. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Yeah, the, the LTGs aren't really air fuel based yeah. failures you know the air fuel really has nothing to do with the ltgs no, self-destructing no all the <laughs> di cars you can get away with a lot more well and the it, i th just conjecture but i think probably one of the biggest failures is obviously they have to shoot for better fuel economy numbers so they shift to sixth or eighth gear when you're at 45 cruising down the street and then you give it a little gas and whoop, there goes your boost there goes your rings yeah. <laughs> it's gone but and people a, run 87 and people run 87. Yeah. Because you know, my big gripe is, uh, um, so you have GM, you have the big corporation GM and they're and they make this car and they're like, okay, you know, here's this turbo car. Um, you know, please run premium in it. And then you hand the keys to the sales guy and you're like, sell this car. The sales guy, all he cares about is making his commission. Yeah. He doesn't care what, so he's in, in people like I've, I've, witnesses people get angry when you talk to them about running premium mm -hmm. they don't just say i don't want to spend the extra money they actually get angry at they, you i've seen that before yeah and it, it's so these sales guys are smart because they're not stupid yeah. and they're like yeah run 87 it, it's fine. it doesn't change my paycheck any no you know it, these warranty engines coming in weekly because the one fours fail like quite often as well yeah I mean, our accounting person here, you know, our finance person had a, a um, the tracks and mm -hmm. it was 100% stock and she bought it brand new and melted the engine, mm -hmm. not beating on it. She was just driving it and all of a sudden it gets an underboost code and she brings it into the dealer and they're like, you need a, you need a new piston. <laughs> it's covered under warranty, but I mean, that was a stock car. And it's still a huge inconvenience. But, but yeah, on the salesman note, like they're not going to see you for years, potentially. So that, Well, they'll never see well, you Well, they'll again. never see you, and but I'm the sure, dealer won't see I'm them. I'm sure most of them don't even really understand how terrible the advice they're giving is. Maybe. Like, yeah, like it's, they it's probably, to some degree, ignorance. think it is no big deal. Yeah. Well, and the supposed experts are not helping. Mm -hmm. That's also go, true. Go on YouTube and find the videos of the TV shows. I know what you're talking about. Where they test 87 octane. Oh, yeah. Three octane. Gosh, dang it. And you've got some supposed expert driving a Corvette around. I always put 87 in it. Yeah, there's no difference. And then he's he's comparing the fuel economy, for one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? Because <laughs> that's what octane's what, what, for. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just bizarre. I was so mad. I wanted to kick the TV. I know. <laughs> you telling me that story made me want to find a TV to punch. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, like, there's not a factory boosted vehicle that you can run 87 in. Okay. No. You can run 87 in a, in a 2005 Silverado 2500 with an LQ4 because it's like nine to one compression, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a six liter. I guess that vehicle you can run it in, but like any of the newer 5.3 stuff probably runs noticeably better with 93 in it at least. Oh, I, yeah. Many of the new manufactured cars, especially NA, are, are really high compression. I mean, even the the newest Camrys are like 13 to 1. Holy Whoa. crap. And I'm sure people I'm sure people are like, oh, yeah, you can run, run 87. Well, even the, uh, the LAF that's in my terrain, it's 11 to 1. Mm -hmm. nowhere on that does it say you need to run premium but it knocks so bad <laughs> cruising that it does see two to three miles per gallon increase from running 93 i do love it when you're just normally driving you're just driving to work or wherever you just hear the vehicle next to you just clatter yeah like, just spark knocking <laughs> like crazy you hear it over your radio and you're like oh my god like, yeah and they're just just doo -doo -doo. <laughs> must be a bunch of rocks kicking up and hitting the bottom you know, it's, yeah, these sales guys, man, like 
I mean, I get it. Right now, um, in a Sonic with a 10-gallon tank or 11-gallon tank, whatever it is, like, it's like $10 more per fill-up. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, you know, it, it is a lot more. I'd, I remember when I first started driving, premium was $0.30 cents more. Yeah. 93 was $0.30 cents more. It was $0.87, $0.15, cents, $0.15. Cents. Yep. And now it's an entire dollar, which... Yes, I get it. It does suck that you got to spend 10, 15 more bucks. But man, if, if that it's, saves you an engine down the line. Have you ever looked at the 91 though? Like the biggest price jump is from 91 to 93, not from 87 to 91. Well, we don't have almost any all 91 of, around well, here. Well, 91, 92. There's yeah. still a few around that have the mid-grade pump. And uh, it's it's like the, the jump from that to premium is huge because it seems like every supply company their 93 has all these special bs additives you know detergents and cleaners and all this freaking advertising on it so they feel justified in charging you an extra dollar (laughs) could be that could be just less demand i don't know but v power yeah exactly that's the main one (laughs) and it is more expensive than other premium yep but sometimes you find yourself on fumes on the edge of chicago and you got to (laughs) pay seven bucks a gallon for freaking v power yep (laughs) Oof! That ticked me off. I put two gallons in so that I could get out of town and find some normal fuel. I will have I will have customers. I don't know if if you guys do too, but I just had one uh, just yesterday. Funny, um, he was like, I, I have all these mods on my Sonic. He was like, I want to make the most power possible on eighty seven octane. Mm, and I'm sorry, like, sorry, buddy. What? 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 Mm. Like, do you you realize that gas is your easiest horsepower game? Uh-huh. It's the easiest way to gain horsepower. Like, I can tune a 1.4 for 87. I can do it. One cool thing about a turbo car is you, you can, can turn, turn it down. the boost down. Yep. Well, you know, you can't turn down a, you know, a 13 to 1 compression engine. So You can't remove enough timing to make it okay. Let's just like, lay out a, a pretend scenario. Like, someone lives in town, doesn't have to drive that far with their Sonic. They can go through roughly a tank a week, let's say. So it's what, extra 10 bucks a week for premium? 520 bucks a year they'll drop 1200 on mods yep. but then you ask them to spend 500 a year on better <laughs> fuel and they lose their mind yeah. yeah how dare you yeah it happens uh jpl i i saw you mention 88 uh and that's a that's a big thing in indiana uh because oh, unleaded 88 yeah because they're they're pushing uh higher ethanol content which i'm a fan of I, i'm a fan of as well except to get to 88 with higher ethanol percentage, that means that the fuel that they're mixing with it is, trash. is garbage. Yeah. I mean, and we see it here with E85. I mean, we were just talking about it the other day. You used to go to the pump and get E85, and it would be 85, 90% ethanol. And now, especially in the winter, you'll get the winter blend, and it'll be 70. Yep. And so that remaining mm-hmm. 30% that isn't ethanol is pretty much bottom of the barrel 70 octane it's natural gasoline which i mistakenly heard that term as natural gas for a while and was really confused how they were managing that (laughs) is natural gasoline is just unrefined it's the minimum they have to do to be able to make it run in a car yeah like so if you think your brand new high compression or turbo engine can run on that like hmm. in some in some like having some kind of scan gauge that monitors ethanol content, man, I can't, I can't push it enough. Like I've, I think it's only happened like one time now. I I talk about this one story, like it happens all the time, but like I had one guy send me a scan and his, his ethanol percent was in the forties, maybe 47%. And his car was just knocking like crazy. And I'm like, man, what, what are you mixing with your E85? And he was like, Nothing. mixing e85 it's like 100 percent pump e85 and i'm like what yeah i was like do me a favor and just like run this out be nice to it run it out and just fill it with your premium and mm-hmm. send me a scan and he he did that and he was like wow my car runs so much better yeah so like i don't know if anybody junkie. can do the quick math here but like what um e98 is 112 ish octane ballpark 115 it's 115 octane. And then and then your 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 gasoline in E85 is 70 octane. Mm-hmm. So to take 98% ethanol, mix it with this this natural gasoline, um what is your overall octane? 
85, 87? I don't know. Really freaking bad. Yeah, not good. Like, it, you know, I would imagine that's a pr- rather complex um, math problem, but like, you know, it, it's it's not good. Yeah, and, and on that note too, and, and we've mentioned this in many videos before, it, as much as the, the V power, you know, may seem kind of frivolous, it is advantageous to buy gas from a reputable... <laughs> Ironically, uh, <laughs> E40, if you use 70 as the base stock, comes out to 88 octane. Yeah. So, yeah, not good. But, yeah, we... When we, you're expecting E85, yes. that's really bad. Yeah. What would that do to your drag car? Ow. I wouldn't make it. <laughs> I wouldn't make it all the way up on a two-step. And what sucks is your car doesn't even have an ethanol sensor. Or a knock sensor. Well, it, your, your standalone <laughs> might have some kind of readout on the screen. If I had a content sensor. Yeah, I would. Ooh, you're probably out of inputs too, aren't you? Yeah. Well, but I only run race fuel in it anyway. Okay. So in that specific situation, I get away with it. But, you know, rewind two and a half years, I was running pumpy, making Mm -hmm. 650, (laughs) 700 horse. Yeah. If I would have stopped at that station, I wouldn't have made it a mile down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been gone. So getting back on the tuning topic, uh, when HP tuners oh, yeah, yeah. was introduced, did tangent a bit. like, do you guys remember that? Was it, was it a pretty big thing when they said, okay, the, the Grand Prix and the Cobalts or whatever was out at the time was introduced. Did it kind of change the way that you thought change the way that you raced? I mean, was because I wasn't around at this time was the way that HP tuners functioned different than it is now. Um, obviously they had more, they have more tables now than they did. Yep. We, we had very limited tables. I, I was going to ask about that. How much has the What's Unlocked grown from the time you first had support? Well, see, that's, what sucks is that the ECMs were so much more simpler back then. Yeah. That there was a lot less tables, but you didn't need, a, you didn't need all the tables you need now. Yep. Like even now, I mean, uh, I know Matt deals with it all the time. Like he'll have uh, these later model LTGs and he's just missing tables or the tables are mm-hmm. not working correctly. Or they show up in one operating system, but not the other. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so the ECMs were pretty simple. So it was like, okay. Um, what I liked about HP tuners back in the day was that they spent a lot more time um, making it easy to make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. Like um, I remember like DHP's user interface for the tuner was horrendous <laughs> the tables you had to look at and how you change the numbers were were so hard to understand but then hp tuners is like oh you want to change your shift points here's your tps yeah here's your breakout and it was so much easier yeah. um like the chart was the other way and it just i don't know man it made my head spin when i looked at it there wasn't when hp tuners came out it didn't give us any access to anything new okay power tuner was similar yeah it was just a lot more refined in how you could work with it. Just a little quicker and easier to use. Yes, mm-hmm. and in fact, um, to go on, add on to what Matt said, like DHP has m- had more, and there are still in some. S- that, in some ways, yeah, there are still some that DHP has that yes. HP tuners doesn't on certain OSs. I know Bose talked with you about that. Yep. But well, there are speaking, cars I have to pull the power tuner out to tune still. Speaking yeah. of OSs, I, I think that's probably a large factor in why we have this issue is because when you go back to Grand Prix or like I'm familiar with LSJs, most years of LSJ had two operating systems. 04s had one, 05 Cobalts had three for some reason, 07s all had one operating system. And then you go to Sonics, and I swear it seems like every single file you open is a different operating yep. system. And you cannot copy and paste. No, like you can. You can tables maybe, are different. You like I semi copy and paste. Like I'll compare files and I go to individuals and I'll and I'll grab certain sections yeah, of things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's really not a lot of copying and pasting anymore. Well, not like. And to clarify that for the people listening, like with the LSJ base files, you can take any operating system's base file for this given mod set and flash it on in copy and paste and everything transfers correctly with the newer stuff. The, the axis on the tables may be different. There may be a table that one operating system has available. The other doesn't. And that's what screws you up. If you try to just copy your base file to a different operating system, Mm -hmm. like the first one that comes to mind is the cams. Yeah. With the, the weird ghost. Yeah. Some of them, 
read four times what the number is. Yeah. And some don't. And so if you just copy paste, all of a sudden your cam timing is 400% off. Yeah. Yep. You just, you have to open that wide open throttle cam table and, mm-hmm. and the, the top frame is four. Yep. And you're like, well, that's supposed to be 16. So yeah, I guess not this it. is, if I want to add one, I got to add 0.25. Yeah. When I first discovered that, I was doing a street tune on a car because Tim was out of town and I had copied over a good known base file. And of course, I had the customer with me while I'm out driving around. <laughs> and the the normal cam timing table was normal, but the watt was one of the yep. 4X ones. And the file I had used was just all normal. So when you would pedal into it, once you crossed over to the watt table, oh, the car the would cams- like fall on its face. Yeah. Because the cams went somewhere that you'd never want them to be. Yep. And that took way longer than it should have to figure out what was happening. And of course, you got the customer sitting there like, oh, what's going on? Why did it do that? Like, dude, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. <laughs> yep. I wish I could tell you. And then once I figured out it was something so simple, I'm like, oh, boy, that's frustrating. Yeah. And, and that's one of the limitations that we have to play with. Is... Sometimes you just got to find the uh, Easter eggs that you don't want. Yeah, because, you know, HP tuners, as much as they've done for the aftermarket tuning community, it's not perfect. It's not the OEM PCM. It's it's their interpretation of it. So, yeah, what yeah. you know, they may miss a table. I mean, I know I've helped some Sonic some Sonic guys where the E seventy eight A doesn't have a minimum injector duty cycle, so they put in larger injectors and they can't get the the pulse oh, width oh, down. Oh, the pulse width. Yeah, yeah. That was frustrating. Oh my gosh! And then. You know, you compare it to EFI Live, which is another tuning software that we don't use, but is similar enough. And you you open one of those files, and oh, there it is. So then you you, you got to argue with HP tuners and send it over, and you know they're like, oh, that's not there. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's there, <laughs> I can see it. Um, but you know, and that kind of will take us into nothing that we've dealt with in house yet. But uh, what Al was referring to is, you know, we went from SAFCs, which only controlled watt, or you're tricking sensors, you're tricking, uh, you know, whatever you can to make it work. Uh, GM and Ford and whomever moving forward are making the ECMs harder to crack. You know, whether that is specifically to target aftermarket companies or. Oh shit, Jeff's here. Bing bong. Bing bong. Uh, whatever it may be, you know, like the C8, you, the, you can't at this time trifecta says they have but you you can't with readily available tuning software tune the pcm but people are making 1350 to the wheels and running eights you know it's and it's kind of fascinating because as l said it it shows you where there's a will there's a way (laughs) they have gone back they've gone with sensor clamps that trick the voltage and it it's kind of fascinating. Can you imagine how many signal clamps that car has to have on it oh my gosh like Gosh, probably more money in clamps than it is in the two standalones that are running it. That ECM double checks, triple checks, yeah. quadruple checks things. Make sure that every to make sure sensor everything is lines up. And so, if one's out of whack, it's like, nope, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, that one friend of ours told us that it, uh, on one of, one of the test cars, if a rear view mirror was unplugged, the car wouldn't start and wouldn't tell you why. Like, they are integrated to an insane level, but the aftermarket still figured out within a period of months and how to get around that stuff. Matt, <laughs> God, you're killing me. Pro- <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, do it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Can I tell you, do you actually have a Chevy Bolt? <laughs> no. I'd, be, I'd be interested. No, it definitely does not. <laughs> doesn't strike me as the typical Bolt owner. No. Yeah, so so to to elaborate a little bit, so the mini AFC, um, I don't know what year we we had that, but when Digital Ken was uh, with Easy Performance before it was Easy Performance, he developed a thing that that read the math signal, the raw data, the frequency of the math signal, and then multiplied it by a percentage. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a little dip switch thing, you know, this one is this much, this one is that much, and you had to add them up to like up to either over 100 or under 100, depending on what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He had one that did the whole math chart, and then they developed one that did it by, like, idle, cruise, and full throttle. 
which mm. was amazing. I think it was the coolest one they ever made. And then they did one that, that, that was... That alone an, would take you pretty far. Yes. And then they had one that was an ICCU, which, which um, did it based on RPM okay. and also modified the IET sensor output um, based on, like, uh, so you yeah. could get into the ECM and say, like, I don't know, like 40 degrees, you know, Fahrenheit is plus two degrees of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, 60 degrees Fahrenheit is, like, you know, plus zero or, or whatever. Yeah. You can go plus or minus, which was amazing. And that was also RPM-based. That was such a cool thing. It had a cool little readout screen, and, you know, all the Grand Prix guys were, like, doing custom installs. I think Zoom's car still has one in it. Um, I really? don't even know if we're using it anymore, but... <laughs> But, like, back then, we didn't have, like, the ability to change our timing. Yeah. You know, we'd go to the track. Matt would go to the track because that was before I was racing. And he wouldn't have a way to add or subtract timing. Well, and for a while, we had that, uh, what did we call it? Like, the power pellet? Oh, the race pellet. The race pellet, yeah. The race pellet was, that was a budget. That's an all ZZP PCM still to this day. Yeah. It's basically, like, if you want to put 110 race gas in your car, Unplug your IET, plug this in, boom, it gives you like four degrees of timing. Um, but don't freaking forget <laughs> that it's to there. unplug that yeah. thing. <laughs> the drag car still has the the dial. Yeah. That goes to the IET and it's ah, yeah. from like minus four to plus twelve. <laughs> ah. What what was that thing called? IET selector. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You have a little dial that manually changed the temperature without having an ICCU. That was that was cool. That was um that was based on your centrifugal supercharger kit you developed, right? No, we actually for, sold a lot of those for supercharged guys. Okay, um, but I know that was one of his like one of the things he really pushed on the CSC. He mm-hmm. was he was he developed a supercharger kit for the NA cars. Like, I don't know, you might have been one of the first people to do it. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, Dang. I mean a centrifugal supercharger on an NA Grand Prix or yeah. Monte Carlo in his case. Like way back in the day, with with modules and you know IET selectors and all this stuff on it. Yeah, it it was the same thing with the uh, with the Saturns because when your uh, coolant temp sensor would go out, uh, it would you know basically kill the whole car. But yep. what people found out is that it it mainly changed the timing. So people would have an SAFC on their turbo cars, and then they would also have a coolant temp sensor switch. <laughs> So you'd floor it, and then you'd hit the switch, and it would <laughs> increase the timing. <laughs> so it was this whole process. As people drove around, they're like, all right, you ready? Here we go. Click, and then floor it. Oh, man. And, and that was a lot of those cars, too, were pre-OBD2. So there was no way yeah. you could read any sensors. So they're just like... Yeah, I'm guessing I got a timing light. I, th- I think it's good. Yeah, well, it didn't blow up, so <laughs> keep going. I mean, we, we're... we got 20 minutes left, so you might as well tangent that into match racing. Yes. All right, everybody. <laughs> so <sighs> Matt was the pilot of Ken Digital Ken Easy Performance Ken's centrifugal GTP. Mm. So it's a GTP. Mm. They pulled the blower off, put a centrifugal on, and I'll let him tell the rest of the story. Yeah, this was early days. I th- I think we had tuning some, but yeah, it was sparse. Yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't do it at our shop. Nope. Yep. So it was pretty much if you're at the track and you want to make some adjustments. Figure good, something out. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> and we wanted to get that car in the 10s. It was early on in the Grand Prix game. Uh, Zoom's car was running mid-11s maybe okay somewhere with a blower on it and we thought well this we can get the centrifugal car in the 10s last day at stanton track prep was great and zoom was done racing for the day ken's car was going 11 twos on et streets mm-hmm. so we <laughs> wanted to put zoom's tires on it oh uh, he had the et drag they didn't fit <laughs> so <laughs> We had a humongous, like, two-foot-long power inverter and a, and a hand grinder. <laughs> so we were uh, reshaping his, his brake calipers yep, wow. yep. in the pits. Yep. Everybody's staring at us. Don't worry about it. We got it hooked up to the Monte Carlo, and that thing's, you know, revved up to the rev limiter, keeping this <laughs> grinder going. This thing going, yeah, it's slowing down. <laughs> and and uh, 
we got 10 minutes left. Yep. They're about closing up and get up there, do a burnout, and the uh, the cog belt broke. Oh. oh, man. So I just thought, well, okay, drove back the piss. Oh, well, we didn't make it. Yep. I think 11, 11, 1. And Zoom's like, we got five minutes. <laughs> you got another belt? <laughs> it takes at least five minutes to change a belt, maybe 10. We got more people. So yeah. we got five people under the hood moving brackets and taking stuff and grabbing things. And it's just, it was crazy. Whip this thing together. I think one of the bolts wouldn't thread in. Like, I had no time for that. Just cross it. Right yeah. Just, and they were, they were done. We're driving up there and he's shutting it off. And we're like, you got there's, one minute. There's a minute left. <laughs> he's like, ah, guy's kind of mad. Yep. It's like, all right, go ahead. Roll up there to the line, and yeah, it was a process <laughs> because it wouldn't shift one gear to it, one was too early, one was too late. And Ken had built into the steering wheel buttons, depending on what you wanted your <laughs> shift RPM to be at, your throttle position. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would lower it by different percentages. <laughs> so I was learning. Wow. What we could do to make a shift at the right time yep. as I went through the day. But it, it was a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you had to do it one way for first gear. And then you had to hit the performance shift yep. switch. Yep. And then you had to use a different button. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot of things. And just being rushed right up there. The oh, my is, gosh. I mean, we're scrambling with tools and fly up there. And I'm like, I, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know. <laughs> Probably forgot to put on my seatbelt. Yep, know. probably. Like, and yeah, just ripped down the track. I'm pushing buttons. I'm like, oh, it seems okay. Like barely even steering <laughs> the car. It's, Hope it's going straight. It's the first time that it seemed good through the whole pass. And yeah, grabbed the time slip 1095. <sighs> track was closed. Everybody's gone. We were always, we were always the last people there. Yeah. And then always. you had to put the interior back in. Yeah. <laughs> the interior. And the the exhaust. exhaust. Yeah. Like there was a lot of stuff. Everything. At least this was at was during the day. Mm. We had times where it was night and it was dark and they, yeah. shut, they shut the lights off. They they left a few times. <laughs> They're <laughs> like, like, we'll leave the gate open. Yeah, you close the gate when you leave. And there's no lights, and we're out there with, with flash flashlights. Flashlights, yeah. Jack stands. Well, as often as you guys were there, they probably didn't care. Whatever, close the door behind oh, you. Yeah, they liked us. I definitely like this. We were there a lot. That's oh. awesome. But yeah, that was tuning. Yeah. yeah. Spoofs. Tricking. Just all and... kinds of spoofs. You're pushing buttons on your ICCU and putting buttons on your steering wheel. And it just, you just you made it, it work. Yeah. 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 But it's, it sucks that we're going back to that now. It does. In some, in some cars. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. None of, none of the uh, ZZP cars, fortunately, but. But even on that same note, there it's getting there. The the ATSV is very integrated. Like you said, uh, customer Shane was at the track and he stripped down his ATSV, and it wouldn't run. And he's like, "What in the world? Like everything, everything's fine." And, and it pulled some random BCM code, and it he ended up finding out that it was because the driver's door switch wasn't connected. Well. Somehow, the electronic LSD control runs through the driver's door panel. Yeah, that's what how it was. or why I don't know, but that you take the driver's door panel off, you have no LSD. No idea. <laughs> yeah, I was helping him with that, and then we had to start putting things back one by one until the, <laughs> enough codes went away that you could actually drive the car. It w was that when we were at Lapeer with the Sonic too? Or was that another time? Shane's here. Look at Shane. Oh, yeah. Service <laughs> oh, rear yeah. axle. Yep. Yep. Driver door panel off. Because that makes sense. But yeah. um, to answer your question real quick, Preston, um, yes, you can put a built wastegate actuator on a Z04, but the Z04 already comes with a stiffer than stock mm -hmm. uh, wastegate mm -hmm. actuator anyway. So, I mean, you're just, it's just, it looks different, I guess. It looks nice. But um, but it, it, you, you just make your tuner hate tuning it because it's inconsistent it's not like every other one so yeah yeah it's generally make sure it, that like when you do swap it do not tell your tuner because <laughs> they love a challenge do not do that yep 
Yeah, I went through that with my my Sonic. I had a billet actuator on it, and Tim's like, yeah, here's a good weight skate chart for V3, and I put it on, and it was just like, poof! <laughs> well, the, the blue Sonic had one of the prototype Z04s on it that had a, like, 16, 17-pound canister. Oh, yeah, canister. it was huge. It, it was fine to cruise and to go full throttle. But any part throttle, it was trying to make 18 pounds. The ECU was just like slapping it back. And it, just, it would just surge and buck and make all kinds of hair dryer noises. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, the ECM is double, double and triple checking everything. Yeah. So if your turbo is trying to make 18 pounds and the ECM only wants four, mm-hmm. it, it gets, gets pretty angry. It gets really mad. Yeah. So, so if you do do it, <laughs> tell your tuner, let them know, yeah. and they'll rework your wastegate duty cycle chart. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't even, I mean, Al, with you and I at the track with the Sonic for the last two years, I can't even fathom trying to go as fast as we did without having tuning available there. I mean... And, and look how much of a struggle it was even with even the with, tuning. Even with, yeah. I mean, the the Sonic, Sonic PCM doesn't like to make 500 plus horsepower. No. <laughs> it is real mad. But, you know, every pass you come back, you look at the logs, and you make a little change. And it does what we need it to do. It, it goes fast in a straight line. It does. You're not going to daily of 500-horse Sonic, at least not yet. Just me, me the 1-4 tuner here, looking at your scans makes my head spin. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It goes fast straight line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, look, that's not supposed to be there. It's not. It's it not. can idle and go what? Yeah. And that's all it needs to do. It, it does its job perfectly. Yeah, but so I would love to stand alone in that car, though. Uh, that would be a lot of fun, and it and it it, it kind of begs the question too. With these newer cars, uh, you know, on one hand, it, it would be easy enough to go to a standalone, but most standalones don't have DI support, at least at this time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Motec is the main one but i mean you're talking four thousand dollars just for a right an ecu uh i think link might have some some di support now and cyvex does yep cyvex does i know many of the other aftermarket uh or standalone companies are working on it but i haven't seen anything new lately except for cyvex did release a standalone gdi driver so that's good to know it does pump control also Essentially, you just feed it your port injector triggers, and it takes care of the rest. Because every aftermarket standalone, you can control timing, injection timing, wherever you want. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of money. Yeah. So. But in the pursuit of speed, it's something you got to do. Yeah. So now on, uh, so say with, say the C8, uh, when they're they're making bigger power, uh, because the. That new LT engine has port and direct injection. Injection. Uh, do people just increase the port size and then leave the DI side the same? Yes. Okay. So That's they they can control people that. When then... people were first pushing the uh, A90s, they were just switching to standalones and putting dummy plugs in place of the DI injectors. Oh, just plugging them up and saying. Yeah, well, because that at that time, like there's there's been decent advantage advancements in standalone di stuff since the a90 came out mm-hmm. so the first guys that were pushing it i remember watching a youtube video where they had one on engine dyno and uh, on that engine the di injector is dead center like top of the chamber so it sits where like a coil pack normally would and they had just unplugged them and left them there as dummies and had an intake manifold with port injection and while they're doing dynapoles, trying to figure out what the stock motor can make, they melted the guts out of one of those DI injectors and just like fireworks sprayed the pieces up into the ceiling. Well, because it didn't have fuel going through it to keep the tip cool. And yeah. that's that's when they switched over to machined plugs to take their place instead of just leaving them there. Man. Small what we got? Yeah, yeah, cracking the vacuum line will do that for you. Man, if I only counted the amount of times that customers have that, but they're like, nope, I checked them all. It's like, no, I kind of see a few of these scans of these cars. Like, you have one. Yeah, I, I looked at them. Vacuum lines look fine. Yeah. That's, that's a good... Find it. 
<laughs> tangent to split off on when you're talking about tuning. Like, customers, we know what's going on. Like, we can yeah. look at we look at enough scans. Like, the, each of us have our platforms. And that means that we are very familiar with a certain section of cars. And we know what the logs are supposed to look like for a given set of mods. And so when your car has the math reading 20% off at idle, or it's just everything looks good, but your fuel trims are 30% lean, we know there's a vacuum leak. You may have looked eight times. I believe you. You didn't find it. <laughs> you do not. Your your math sensor is not a freak of nature. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all math sensors read the same. Like all I mean, the stock cars have to leave on the same tune from the factory or very close to it. So all the sensors have to be the same. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, and when I say that, uh, that term was pretty broad. I know I'm going to get beat up for that. Um, all maps pretty much read the same, like from the, fa- from the factory. Yeah. If yeah. you put a auto zone advanced auto math that's not true but um an oem math sensor on the late model stuff they all read the same Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if your math is a couple hundred hertz lower than every other one that means that air is getting in that engine somehow yeah because it can't idle with that little air so that (laughs) air is getting in somewhere if your lsj math is at 1500 hertz you're like "Uh, no it's not right Pretty much anything. If any yeah. math is at 1,500 yeah. hertz, then there's a vacuum. Yeah, that cell's not used. <laughs> it's not just the math, though. I have a, cu- a remote tune customer I'm working with right now that we were almost done with his tuning, and the, the fuel trims, I just couldn't get them to stay consistent. And so I start looking closer at things and comparing older logs to current ones, and the, the trims are just doing some really weird things. It would kind of change as the coolant temp changed or as, as the engine got up to temp. And then finally, it progressed to the point that the O2 sensor was just doing some really weird stuff. Like, it would zigzag right around 450 for a while. And so I, I asked him if, uh, if he has it, like, in a defouler or if it's a different sensor. And you're like, oh, well, my other one, I couldn't get out of the stock pipe so i got a new one from autozone please here's a link please buy a stock one and put it in and ta-da we're done yeah i get it we all love to save money but when it comes to a math sensor and an o2 sensor yeah buy oem it's really the only way yeah i understand the convenience of autozone being right down the road but in our experience, specifically with the cars that we work on, we do not allow aftermarket sensors. Nope. Yeah. It's all OEM. I, I know I push my customers a lot. Like, I would rather you go to a junkyard and pull a 100,000-mile oh, yeah. used one out of a car there <laughs> yeah. than a brand spanking new one from any parts place of your choice besides the dealer. Yep. You know, Shane, that's a good point. As I've thought of that recently. Um, when you look at... The cost of like a split second and how much of a pain they are to program. It's getting really to the point where uh, the entry base model fuel tech FT450, which is usually under a thousand bucks, you'd be better off using that with the amount of time it's going to save you because it's so much easier to program and there's other features that you could piggyback in and use. Yeah, I, w- I was pretty shocked when you got your fuel tech installed and they provide a base map and it was pretty good base map generator just punch in a few details about it and of course it needed refined but the car fired up the first try like that's that's pretty cool yeah and and a lot of the the standalone companies have good customer support you know i i know fuel text is kind of second to none Um, in my opinion yeah and you know a standalone is not something that 99 percent of people need to do or want to do because it it is going to remove a lot of things and it's pretty much a dedicated drag car or you know whatever you might be doing with it time attack half mile but uh the the progress that they have made has been pretty shocking in the last 10 years since i've been in in tuning or you know car modding in general uh it's it's pretty cool to see and and the cost I mean, the, like you mm-hmm. said, the fact that you can get an FT450 for less than a thousand bucks. And yeah. it's, it's per vehicle too, because like, I do need to point out like, and people probably don't realize this, but like Matt's drag car that runs eights 
is on the stock ECM core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like never been opened. It's been HP tuned. And, like, and, and, the, and same with the Sonic. Yeah, the Sonic. Yeah. Like, could we have gone faster sooner with the standalone? Absolutely. We would have gone a good bit faster. But, but that was one part of, of the whole thing. One of Zoom's stipulations, and I understand and agreed with it, was no, we push it as far as we can on the stock ECU, then decide from there. Yep. And that's why we got to where we're at. And we're going to go further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but to, to wrap up the standalone aspect of it, with my car specifically, it got to the point where the, the standalone made financial sense. Yeah. Because I had the stock ECU and I could make it do what I wanted, but I needed an expensive boost by gear controller. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to have the watt box in there for the two-step. So just those two alone combined with the, let's say you were a customer looking at doing this, those two modules plus the cost of HP tuners and the credits and the tuning nearly at the cost of my standalone. Mm-hmm. And so that's why for my car, where I don't need ABS, I didn't need all the other stuff, I didn't have to go through the hassle of piggybacking, I just gutted it and started over, it actually made financial sense to do that versus continuing to struggle with the compromises that I was stuck with. And I mean, you you made it to, what, 167? 167. On the stock ECU. Mm-hmm. And the PCM is not complex. It has yeah, like, it's 20 tables. Basic. It's very basic. <laughs> Man, but and and Andreas, ooh, that's a good one. That's like a whole like, that's a whole episode. Oh, forums and how bad. Yeah, that's a whole separate podcast. Man, topic. I I still love to cruise back through the old forums, and it sucks that a lot of photos were hosted on Photo Bucket and they're gone. Yeah. So you know, looking through people's build threads, you might not see everything, but just the information and the fact that people could consolidate their entire build into one thread and it yeah. or even you know the 898 thread i, I still yep. read that I a couple too. times a year i go back through it and i i watch the progress of matt and ryan going through everything and it's awesome and it, now now the groups are just full of just dummies it's so dumb like the people that like somebody will post a legit question and there are 10 stupid answers that are misleading and terrible to one good one. Mm-hmm. It seems like the people that know what they're talking about don't respond. It's embarrassing. Well, and, and Matt's dealing with that with, uh, you know, Snappy's Camaro. He went to a 8L90, and it's a new trans on an engine that the trans didn't come on. So he's trying to learn and and figure out what the best way to get this car to go faster is. And, you know, whether it would have happened or not, you know, my feelings are back in the day, somebody would have posted something on a forum and said, hey, guys, I figured this out. This is what you need, need to do to go faster. Mm-hmm. And now, because Facebook and Instagram and, and our whole society in general is very uh, quick information, there, there's nothing sustained or, or, you know, retained in a lot, and you can't search things, it's tough, so... A lot of people who are at the higher levels don't, they don't post, they don't get on there, they don't do anything. So, you know, and that kind of goes back to just this whole tuning thing in general. We started from, okay, we want to make this car go faster, so we figure it out, and that's what we do, and that's what we will continue to do. But as a consumer, before I worked here, and and as a just enthusiast, it is great to go back and see those things and Mm. and see where people came from and built on... um, so yeah, forums, it's a bummer they're gone. Yeah. Or aren't readily used anymore. Yeah, I do wish it would switch back to that a bit, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think basically like Facebook, they just... Um, it's too convenient. They, they prioritize the the responses that get the most attention, mm-hmm. but usually the responses that get the most attention are the bad ones. Yeah. So when you get a legit answer... Everybody's like, oh, cool, cool. But then There's it gets nothing buried. to say. But it gets buried with mm-hmm. the dummy that's like, well, my um, brother's uncle told me this, and he yeah. he put this on the car, and it ran great. And it's just like, yeah, uh, it's always my aunt's minivan yeah. had that problem. Yeah. Nope. She'd really? probably clean your math and throttle body. Really? <laughs> yeah. Your aunt's minivan was running 36 pounds of boost. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. Yep. Yeah, yeah it, it was the, you know, whatever part. Yeah. Thanks. 
Yep, I, yeah, I cleaned I, the map I, sensor I off, and it, it's good now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, like, let's say Matt puts this, you know, this tranny that doesn't belong in this car in, and he's having a legitimate problem, and he's like... Like every single 3800 swap customer? <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's like, really oh, unique. hey, I'm, I'm having this interesting issue, and then somebody <laughs> just responds and says, have you tried turning the line pressure up? It's like, this is Matt... Mikoff. Yeah. Do you think he hasn't already I tried thought that? Of that? Like, yeah. shut up. Like, <laughs> don't post. Like, this post is not for you. Keep scrolling. Uh, well, yeah, and that's another thing that JPL brings up. Like, whether it's Facebook or just society in general or who knows, the the amount of negativity on Facebook makes, like Max is saying, it makes people not want to be engaged with it. Mm-hmm. Because even if you are right and you know the answer, you'll put it out there. And again, some uncle brother's cousin said something else. Well, I heard. Yeah. And they're going to try and discredit you. And then it goes on and like, it sucks. And and it makes you not want to help people. No, no matter what, we could go down a huge tangent on that. But like, there are good resources in our communities. You know, if, if anybody ever has any questions, reach out to us. We've been doing it forever. So, you know, ask us. We know where to go if we don't know the answer. Um, and there's plenty of other people in all our communities, too. But uh, don't, don't lose hope. It's not all negative. <laughs> we're but, after five. We're after five. Right. Uh, so what are you guys doing this weekend? I'm going ice skating for the first time in my life tomorrow, and you know exactly why. You mean, you mean hockey? Well, yeah. I'd, you, you, I'd like you could have sounded cool saying it. Well, <laughs> I'm going to play hockey without. I sport. gotta, I gotta <laughs> crawl before I can run. You've never had a pair of ice skates. N- before. Never in my life. No. Have, have you, you rollerbladed? Yeah. No. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, the kids are probably going to do better than me. Oh. Yes. Yeah, they will. hundred percent. I'm going to wear like four hoodies so I don't blow myself to pieces when i fall down stretch stretch yeah should probably do and that. don't tighten up yeah good because you'll good you're gonna lock your legs or do something and then you whoop. i've roller skated a lot but i've never been on blades or skates eh, roller skating might help a little bit roller skating with maybe help. with the balance and moving but not with the turning i will That's say that i i like you know, one cool thing about having kids is you get to like do kids stuff i know i'm excited so, about it so like you know, my kid got into rollerblading, so I'm like, heck yeah, let's do some rollerblading. So I like him and I got really good at like inline skating, and um, then I went to ice skating, and it was quite different. Yeah, it was pretty difficult. You know, even the, being a very good roller. The like, Kent, Kentwood Ice skating. Rink, five dollar open skate, two dollar skate rental. That's Not like 1995 bad. prices. <laughs> so there I'm excited. Go. All right, yeah, it it is fun. It is, it is fun, fun. Yeah. Um, they're going to probably give you an option. They're going to give you a hockey skate option, which is a skate that's a, like a U-shape. Yeah. Or and a then, flat skate, yeah. And then they have the figure skating skates, which are flatter. Yeah. Um, I know that I I think I started on the hockey ones and switched to the figure skating ones, and I did better that way. Like, So definitely try both if they give mm, you both options. Will do. Yep. The goal here is to get a stick in my hands eventually. <laughs> Run with that one. <laughs> Max is going to teach me how to hockey. Max Lemur, you're a healthy scratch on a last place club in the no-show. Hang them up, bud. <laughs> Matt, you doing anything fun this weekend? Doubt it. <laughs> I don't know. I got too much work to do. That's fair. I'll be down here. That's fair. Tim, what about you? I don't think I really have anything. Hey. I wouldn't mind uh, getting getting my new uh, Cobalt SS sedan home. Oh, there yeah. you go. Get uh, the interior uh, shampooed. That'd be kind of right. nice. You know, I really go. thought he was going to not buy another car for a while, and I don't know why I ever what? believed yeah, that. I, would I you don't know why ever? you would Like, that. I just got this what? feeling, like, maybe he's going to calm down. Nope. Nope. No. There's another one. No. I'll probably sell one. Probably not. Probably, probably not. Probably not. I drove that thing. I, drove, I bought it blown up, and I just, I'm driving around. <laughs> Like, I drove it to the car wash, drove it to the vacuum. Every like, single beater he buys, he walks in the shop, he's like, I never knew how much I love this car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a kid with an airhead every time. He's like, I love this. 
it's it's like those memes. I don't remember what meme it was. There's probably been a few, but the one like the amount of enjoyment you get out of buying the next oh crap box. Gosh. Like it, I don't I don't know. Like I've I've owned a lot of expensive vehicles, like really nice expensive vehicles. There is nothing but better. I enjoy them more. Like the crap boxes yeah. more. Yep. There's nothing better than going and picking up a two thousand dollar car you and getting have. it home and driving around for the first time. You, you should have kept that Honda. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funnest car i ever owned you couldn't break it yeah you, i you know the one you're talking it. about yeah. no oil no coolant yeah yeah it's fine yeah. don't worry it's good i would know when to add oil when the light came out <laughs> until the light burned out and then i would know to add oil when it started to not clacking yeah and then you add oil you're good yeah, matt didn't want to deal with selling vehicles so he's like hey tim just buy this thing from me and sell it so I did. Yeah, I drove it for a little bit. Oh, I think it was fun. I loved that car. Six oh, six thousand RPM, slip the clutch across the intersection. You beat anything for twenty feet. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I am going to uh, lots of finally good, good advice up there. I'm finally going to tear into that LNF that I bought as well. So uh, yeah, tomorrow we'll see if it is just a roll pin or I need to pull the trains. I completely forgot you even bought another car. Yeah, I know. I I would do the same as Tim. I would drive it, but it only has first, and it's already in the garage, so it can't go backwards. Uh, so I'm pretty sure it's trans. Well, I'll have a Because even with the clutch out, it, you can't put it backwards. I'll have a oh. tranny. Since my car needs an engine, that means the tranny is exposed, so that means it probably is going to have to get an F40. Well, so then I'll have a G85 tranny available. Well, there we go. Mm. I'll buy that. 2000, you know what he's got. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andrew James. Uh, all right. I think that's it. That's a, That was a good show. Thanks, everyone, for uh, joining us. All right, everyone. Peace. Have a good weekend. Bye.